This is the Screaming Pods Network on ScreamingPods.com. And now, on with the program. Welcome. We must search for what is truth. You doubt me. Seek proof. What is truth? And what is God? The first duty is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth, or historical truth, or personal truth. Then here is the proof you seek. You don't really want an answer to that question. My own journey through deconstruction has lately brought me back around to what is being called the gospel of inclusion. In a search for community to parse out the true message Jesus called his followers to follow. Jay Baker has always been a touchstone in my life to Jesus' gospel of unconditional love and grace. Jay's journey since becoming publicly open and affirming has been a hard road, a road of loneliness and a road less traveled by most Christian pastors. Through the years, a handful of churches and preachers have followed this small dirt path and have seen their ministries hampered by emptied pews and financial hardship but through their convictions, they've endured. Jay Baker is now in Minneapolis, Minnesota, remarried with two kids, ministering to a small community at Bryant Lake Bowl and Theater. His messages on inclusion and grace seem to be resonating more with me lately, and I had the pleasure to speak to him again about the gospel of inclusion. Welcome to the Armchair Philosopher. I'm Sean DeRigger. Glad I didn't scare you away. No, <laughs> no, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> so, uh, a lot I want to talk about. I kind of been I've been scribbling some notes, um, kind of all morning and everything. But the first thing I wanted to to ask you is, uh, who do you think played the best Batman? Oh, geez, that's a tough one because that's uh, it's easy to say because you know who played the best Joker. I think he's <laughs> hands down. I don't know. I mean, I, I like, I mean, uh, Michael Keaton was my generation. Yeah. You know, but I do like, uh, that is a hard one, really. <laughs> um, uh, that's great. Of, of, of all the questions, I hope. Uh, you know. Yeah, that's the stumper. <laughs> Christian Bale was the best, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that's that was such a good movie, and he I think he he played such a big part in that, you know. Yeah. Um, the one thing that's always just side note has always made me has, has always baffled my mind with the Batman movies, um, especially the, you know the last few is you never see Bruce Wayne with black eye makeup on. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know he takes his mask off; it's just it's magically gone. <laughs> and that's always really bothered me. But besides that. So. I hear you. Well, I guess it would take too much time. I, mean, I, I, I don't know if he has like a makeup remover in your body. Which, I don't know. Or it's just a special mask that casts a shadow onto their <laughs> eyes. Right. <laughs> it could be it. I'm so glad that uh, that we're talking again because, like I said on the last episode that you were on, um, your that that little docu series One Funk Under God was kind of a huge kind of transition for me into being um, inclusive in my own life with with the idea of 
uh, of gay friends and gay Christians and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, there's many little like touchstones in my life, and that that was a, a huge part of it. A lot has happened since then. Uh, yeah. in, in your life. And it's, it's funny because I was, re- I was rewatching these with my wife because for, for some reason she'd never seen them. And I was like, well, you got to see this because uh, her and I have been having these kind of discussions about, um, you know, Christianity and where we are, where I am. And I've kind of been on this journey myself. And so we were watching them. And in that series, you say like this, you know, that year has been one of the hardest years of your life. But I mean, now you're you're in Minneapolis. Uh, you have two kids, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and you you've gone through so much since then. And I'm not going to ask you to rehash all that because there, <laughs> that's that would just be uh, too much. But there, but I wanted to ask, kind of, how has your view of I guess the Bible, especially, changed since then? Um. I think I, I I've definitely become more liberal about it, even more so. You know, I I I'm not stuck to it being having to find all my truths in it, and uh, realizing that there's a lot more contradictions than I thought before. Um, I just started rereading. Uh, a book I hadn't read in years that I used to read back then. And uh, I was surprised how I, like I'd never thought it to be a conservative book, but now I kind of saw it as conservative, you know, and it was a Brenda Manning book. So it was a book on grace, but you know, it, wow. I was like, wow, it's weird to see the progression that I've made and the changes that have happened. Um, I'm sure my friendship with Pete Rollins had a lot, you know, did a lot there. And, uh, also, my co-pastor Vince Anderson um, with Revolution in New York. I think he also kind of pushed my my bounds to be a little bit more more open. Mm-hmm. I was already open, but these guys were super open, you know, and had a lot of hard questions. The hard questions were always what kind of um, changed my perspective because I, I can remember being even young and in church, like as the pastor was talking, I'd be kind of looking back to like the concordance part or like the history part or kind of, so my dad, I always had these like crazy study Bibles and I would always kind of be reading all the notes and I'd be like, oh, wow, that's interesting about that specific culture, you know, because some of the study Bibles, if you you get a good one, you know, there's some pretty good, even in some of the more conservative leaning publishers, there's still some interesting notes in there. Yeah, really are. And I, I was, man, I was raised reading those conservative commentaries and, you know, like, going to Christian bookstores, buying his, history books on the Bible and the history of the Bible. And and there was still good stuff because it was like they couldn't deny the facts, I guess. Right. Right. I mean, they can't deny like the Council of Nicaea and that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> I mean, all that stuff happened. Yeah. So I've been on my own roller coaster right here too. And it's funny when I heard you say – that you were, you know, Christian agnostic, because that's kind of where I've landed. I see there's a lot of value in the teachings of Jesus and grace, and it's always been, always kind of weighed on me, and I've always kind of come back around to that, and like that is the pure gospel in the simplest sense, you know, and I think a lot of churches overcomplicate it. Even 
even like podcasts like liturgists and, and even hearing Pete Rollins talk it, I'm like, man, everyone's kind of talking around like the simplest of concepts. And that's, you know, the pure grace and acceptance. Yeah. And to me, that's what kind of constantly brings me back, you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to even come up with interesting sermons because it's such a good <laughs> basic message, you know, right. It's, I would just prefer to just preach. I mean, I do preach it all the time, you know, but finding out different ways to just kind of keep it interesting. Um, I don't want to say it's tough, but it's it's a definitely a job because the message is is you know inclusive and loving and accepting and and uh, really really this one powerful thing mm-hmm. and it, it's hard not to get stuck on that. It's definitely the I guess the stumbling block for me. It keeps me coming back in the midst of my doubt because mm-hmm. I have a lot of doubts. I have a lot of questions. You know, but grace seems to be that one thing that continuously pulls me back in. Yeah. When when are the moments that you kind of find yourself yourself doubting the most? Um. You know, I I deal a lot with mental health issues, mm-hmm. and I think when my when when I'm not when I'm having a hard time with anxiety and panic, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of like wonder like where's God? Or if, if you're reading, you know, sometimes reading the scriptures and you're reading just some of the stuff that was like you know, harsh stuff. <laughs> you go like, how do I accept this? You know, right. Crushing babies heads against rocks. You know what I mean? That kind right. of thing. Right. You know, and I can theologically explain that in my own theology and say that that was man's understanding. And, and, you know, and Jesus came and to show us who God really was. And so if you see it through Christ's eyes, you, you know, it's not a God thing. But, you know, there's things like that that make me question um, when life gets tough, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's kind of a cliche, I guess, but, <laughs> you know, it is, it is, it, you know, definitely the mental health thing has definitely caused me to do a lot of questioning. Yeah. Just because, you know, having attacks and, and, and having a lot of anxiety kind of makes you go like, oh, where is this God of grace? Right. I would imagine being in, in your position, you know, people always bringing up your, your, your parents, you know what I mean? And on, online and strangers online and, and, you know, how we've gotten so connected with, you know, the internet, with Twitter, uh, Facebook. And I've found with myself, uh, especially the past year or two with, uh, the change in, in our government, new, new administration, new president, uh, and who the president is like, just being on those platforms has caused me a lot of anxiety. Um, and so I could only imagine, you know, what it would be like in, in, with someone like you who is always has, someone's always has, always has some micro, micro, uh, microscope on you. Yeah. It's weird too. Cause I mean, my dad's like pro Trump and stuff like that. He was kind of off the road, off the map for a while, you know, so people didn't really, remember my my parents all that much because i was getting older and the scandal was further behind but now my dad's back on tv doing his thing you know so i definitely get a lot of people saying why don't you talk to your dad why don't you (laughs) straighten him out why don't you do this you know or you know trying to get me to compete with him or something and right you know it's like you know if you can change your parents let me know how you do it exactly You know, I mean, I, I, the best case scenario for me and my dad is like, I can send him pictures of my son and, yeah. 
and uh, do that. You know, I connect with that so much because that's in my position with how I was raised and and with my parents. You know, when subjects of religion and politics are always really tough for us to get into. But and my wife doesn't. My wife doesn't understand. She's like, well, why do you even still talk to them if they cause you that much anxiety? And I'm like, well, you know, they're my parents. You know, and um, so same way, yeah that's the thing. That's the, that's the connective tissue. There is my kids and it's trying to, you know, send the pictures and make sure they're involved. You know, I'm, you know, I'm the one that calls, um, for a while I was the one that was like calling and always sending the pictures. And the, lately they've, they've gotten better and we've, we've had some really good talks and, you know, as long as we keep these polarizing uh, opinions out of the conversation, things are great. And, and that's kind of how, how I, I, I had to look at things even over the past couple of years and, um, and it's funny cause I, I was just kind of, uh, the past couple of days kind of going through a few of your past, um, talks at, Re- at revolution, uh, through the, the podcast, you mentioned that this inclusion, right. That you're preaching that people in the same mindset as you are, are preaching inclusion. But I had a freak out moment where I went on Facebook and I said, if you support Trump, then fuck you. Right. <laughs> you know? So here I am talking about inclusion and everything and i'm totally doing the opposite on my end of the spectrum i mean and it's think you know that's the tough thing is this whole grace thing is you start to get into you know the two most important commandments which is love god with all your heart and just as important love your neighbor as yourself and then you find out that your neighbor is your enemy too um that's a tough one yeah you know, that's where the rubber hits the road i mean it's it's, it's you know it also encourages you to say, you know, how much influence am I supposed to have? I mean, maybe I am supposed to help change people's minds and hearts, you know, through relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say I'm doing that right now with anybody, mm. but I definitely think it's something that's that is uh, part of what we're meant to do. And, you know, if we're only showing grace to those people that we like and agree with, you know, what is that? You yeah. know, what is that? Yeah. Not really great. Right. I know for a while you were trying to take a lot of churches to task about being inclusive. And I've found myself in that own kind of position a little bit in my small, small circle here. And and I'm in, I'm in Southern California, but I'm South of LA and I'm North of San Diego. So I'm kind of like in this Bible belt of Southern California. Everyone always thinks that, Oh, Southern California, you're all, you know, liberal hippies out there. And, but no, I live in a very conservative area and, you know, we had a pastor, a UCC pastor come into my area and I'd been meaning to check out that church, but, um, like I just, those, those, I I came from like the, you know, very upbeat conservative Christian, you know, non-denominational type churches. So those services are always a little hard for me to sit through. (laughs) It's like just, you know, a little, a uh, little on the boring side. Um, so, but I've been meaning to go, but he kind of got run out of the area by, I guess my, my community, um, which was really, I was re- I was really upset about it for, for a good week or so. Um, and I'm finally going to be visiting that church this weekend, but, uh, now that he's gone, unfortunately I was, but I've tried taking people to task who go to certain churches that I used to go to or have been trying to go to. There's a church nearby, that non-denominational, really great church. And, but I've been trying to confront, not really confront, but talk to people about, you know, the possibility of being inclusive to the gay community. And it's like, everyone just wants to kind of push that aside 
And I was talking to an associate pastor of the church and he kind of was like, well, I have my opinions, but I can't say anything, you know, is this an uphill battle? I mean, it's been, I mean, how long has it been? It's been like, you know, over 12 years. Yeah, it is an uphill battle. I mean, still, and unfortunately, um, but churches have made the changes. You know, I've met pastors, churches who told me that, you know, that I helped encourage them to do that, which I've always felt was nice to hear. <laughs> um, but it does come at a cost. It's, it's an unfortunate that we're still having this conversation because it seems like it should be simple. But then again, it's like there's this kind of resurgence of the evangelical conservative church. So, um, I don't know. I feel like it's their last cry. Yeah. Well, death know. rattle <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I mean, the death rattle. Yeah. You know, I mean, because yeah, the church is, the church is dying. You know, I don't know what people want though. You know, I don't know what people are looking for, but I think definitely people will be drawn to more of inclusive churches. Yeah. I, I know that everyone creates is craving commu- community and that's a huge thing. And the circles that I've kind of been, you know, running in a little bit, people I've talked to with, even with this podcast, you know, with people leaving the church, they're the whole ex-evangelical kind of hashtag, you know, on, uh, on Twitter and there's the ex-evangelical yeah. podcast. Um, everyone is searching for community somewhere. And right now it seems to be online and, and I've, I'm craving that community even more, which is why I'm, I'm actually going to try checking out some UCC churches and some Episcopalian churches in the area because there's the only gay affirming churches in my area. I mean, there's like five in in between San Diego and like uh, Riverside or maybe even L.A. Once you get in L.A., there's, you know, all the, the there's some really cool things happening out there. But it's just it's so weird Um that it's just not around here. But yeah, that craving for community, no matter what you believe, I think is huge. And I wanted to ask you, like with the, with your church now at the, at the bowling alley there in, in Minneapolis, um, do, do, are you still finding people who kind of feel displaced, kind of swinging by and checking your church out or what's the congregation like in, well, in, the, in the church there? It's a small congregation and, mm. uh, yeah, but I mean, there are people who feel displaced and feel like, you know, there's not a place for them or they're looking for something more genuine. We do a Q, like not a Q&A, but like a conversation after the service. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be really positive and builds community. Um, that's why we meet earlier in the day is just so we can have that hour afterwards to kind of talk and hang out and flush things out. Um the cool thing is the about Minnesota is that or Minneapolis is that there's so many progressive churches here. You know, there's mm. so many open and affirming churches here, so UCCs, you know, Universalist Unitarian churches, um, uh, ECLA. So there's a lot of open and affirming churches. It's really strange because I didn't think I'd find that here, and uh, I have. So that, it's a nice thing. But at the same time, I'm trying to find my niche again, you know, like where, where am I needed and what is my call and how do I encourage community? And, um, the mostly that's been focused online. I find a lot of people still listen to revolution online and are still not in a place where they want to have a live community 
or if they do, it's outside of church mm-hmm. and their church is a podcast, which is, um, strange, but also kind of cool. I mean, I'm glad to be a part of people's lives. Um, meet people sometimes that I didn't even, you know, don't even know. And they're like, Oh, I've listened for years. Um, cause some people can't find churches they're comfortable in or that they, or they go for online to find their inclusive church where they're, where they're people who are, you know, accepting and loving of every, everyone. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I, uh, you know, had been trying to, I mean, there's, like I said, there's a, a church that's, I've, I've always kind of gone, gone there off and on. Um, they changed names and a lot, a lot of really great people there and think the community is fantastic, but I, I find myself torn, you know, do I go to this church and do I kind of just put like, ignore the issues, you know, the social issues that I want to stand up for, you know what I mean? Even though they're unspoken, um, you know, or do I find church elsewhere? And lately my wife and I have just been, you know, on Sunday morning, have having coffee and just talking together. And that's been kind of our church lately because she's been kind of working through some things as well. And she's seen me in my journey and, and she's kind of starting a journey on her own. But uh, I think through my lens, I think I've like, uh, uh, I'm almost like the, you know, well, I am an old, the oldest child in my family, but like I've gone through all the bullshit, you know, so it's a bit of an easier path and I can talk with her about things. But the one thing kind of keeping me around here is like, um, uh, just our, like our, our kids and how are we going to raise our kids? And her, her thought process is, well, I'm, we're sending off our kids to this kid church. Like, what are they learning there? Are they being indoctrinated, indoctrinated into the things that, we don't know, you know what I mean? Like we, yeah, no, that's we think about it all the time. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, you have, you have two kids now, right? Yep. And what, what are their, what are their ages? Two and a half and nine months. Oh man, you're, you're deep in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm way, way deep in it. I'm exhausted right now. As I'm talking. <laughs> I've been there, man. I like, I, uh, I'm a huge movie buff, um, and I've been, you know, been doing podcasts for for a while now, uh, just as a hobby. But you know, I can tell when there's very little output as far as my creativity goes. Like I can tell those are when I had the kids. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's so hard for me to do. I mean, like you know, because I don't watch the news. You know, and people yeah. are coming being like, "Did you hear about this?" You know, and I'm like, "Wow, that would have been good to talk about in a sermon." <laughs> you know, but I've got kids. You know, so. I see like 10 minutes of news in the morning and I love movies and like, I haven't seen any movies, you know, like, I'm lucky if I get to see, like I saw justice league a week ago, you know, I was like, and I mean, you know, it's tough. And like, it yeah. before, I would have seen it in the theater and I go to the movies by myself. I used to go to the movies by myself all the time and just love going to the movies. And yeah. now I don't have that time. I've got two days a week to work on my talk and then, I, I take, I take care of my kids too on Mondays and Tuesdays and Fridays. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it's hard <laughs> to be creative when you have kids, you know, it's like, Oh, this is how daddy pays the bills. But <laughs> <laughs> Having kids for me each time one of my kids is born, I have, I have three kids. I have a 12 year old, but that's a whole other, we're entering into a whole new territory now, a wow. uh, 12 year old daughter. <laughs> So God help me, a yeah. uh, 10 year old son. And then I got a five year old son. And each time my kids were born, um, 
it's interesting because when my first two kids were born, I was very much in my conservative Christian trying to sort that out. They were born when I was a completely different, uh, kind of a different mindset. But each time my kids were born, it was a spiritual experience for me. Like that was like, and I, when, and whenever I find myself doubting or, or mad at the possibility of, of who God is or what God is, or I think back to each time that my kids were born. And especially when my youngest Noah was born, he was born when I was first starting to kind of fall away from my core beliefs, you know, my fall away from Christianity. Uh, I had kind of done a hard reset. People call it deconstructing now. Um, yeah. that's the new term. Yeah. <laughs> How, did did you have a similar with Dark Night of the Soul? <laughs> <laughs> did you have a similar experience with, with your with your kids? I mean, how has fatherhood kind of changed who you are? I guess in a spiritual sense. Well, I mean, I value them so much that it's it, it's in a spiritual sense. It's made me realize that you know, if God is real and God is you know a parent figure, then we're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, also it's kind of my my need to uh, search for approval from my peers or from my audience has diminished. You know, mm-hmm. it's become a thing where I'm so happy to have my kids and my kids love me and I love them. And, you know, you know, my nine month year old, she's just busy eating and smiling <laughs> But my two and a half year old, you know, he's a talker and we have such a good time. And, you know, he always asked me to lay down with him before bed, you know, and it's like, lay with me, you know, and uh, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. You know, it's, it's an, it's an amazing thing and it changes your ambition so much mm-hmm. that it's like, I don't know where I fit in right now. You know, it's, mm. that's where it's changed me. It's like, as far as spiritual stuff, it's like, I don't, I've kind of protected them from any any religious stuff. I don't take them to Sunday school or anything like that because I, I, I kind of want them to be able to make their own decisions. Yeah. Cause I don't know how much of my, you know, I don't want to brainwash them. I don't want to, you know, just make them, you know, just say, well, this is what you're going to believe until you're 18. <laughs> so it's tough. You know, my wife's an atheist. So, hmm. so, you know, it's a fine line, but you know, my not, <laughs> Son knows I go to you know I preach at church every Sunday and he's like how's church how's church you know so he knows I what I do um, but not enough to ask questions he's only two and a half yeah so. yeah uh, that's that's interesting about your wife I don't want to pry too much and if you don't want to answer it's fine but how how does that you know your relationship with her and and you being a, you know a pastor like do you feel like it's a positive that she has a, a different worldview or do you find that that could be a struggle? I mean, I find it's a positive. There's yeah. sometimes it's a struggle, you yeah. know, when you're going like, well, God will provide, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of like, uh, no, uh, you will go to work and provide, <laughs> um, you know, there's that mm-hmm. definitely some reality checks there. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's positive. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's struggles here and there, you know, where she's like, well, I think that seems kind of crazy, you know, and you kind of go like, oh, well, maybe it does seem kind of crazy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but for the most part, it's, 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 it's not been an issue, you know. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a lot of people said, oh, it won't work. This will never work. And, <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, it's working so far. 
Yeah. So when I was going through like my, my atheist years, year, maybe it was a year. Um, I remember my wife just couldn't even comprehend where I was, you know, where I was going, where I was at. And I remember it was around this time, um, probably five years ago. And we got on the subject of the resurrection (laughs) and, uh, I, I had said, well, you know, if Jesus was real, uh, if he was a historical figure, if he died, you know, I can maybe see that the resurrection probably is a little more, is a little less literal. And maybe the resurrection they're referring to is his message, you know, (laughs) rose with him. And I remember the look in my wife's eyes was like, (laughs) terror. (laughs) <laughs> pure yeah like pure terror and we got into this almost knockdown drag out fight and 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 it was like well if, you, if we're not on the same page about the resurrection i don't know if this marriage could work you know right. um that was a really hard time for me to be open and honest you know with her about how what i was feeling and um what are your thoughts on the resurrection jay oh what do you, wow. what do you think what <laughs> Um, I believe in the resurrection mm-hmm. right now, <laughs> today. <laughs> today. Um, or I guess I hope in it. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where it's like it's pretty far out there, but at the same time, it's something that I hold close to me and cherish, and 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 it's not the end all of anything, you know. But today, I accept it. Yeah. Well, and that's the interesting, uh, I can't talk right now, interesting thing about um, the church and the mainstream church, Western Christianity, is I feel like, and, and what, go, I want to go back around to the, simplic- the simplicity of the gospel, because the church has spent so much time over, gosh, maybe even millennia. I mean, it was, it was even there in, in, in the gospels in the New Testament, or even in the New Testament, especially, especially with Paul uh, in his letters. But there's a, a lot of time spent arguing back and forth on doctrine and theology and beliefs about certain things like that, that I feel like we've over, like I've said before, we've overcomplicated, you know, the gospel. And, um, and with Jesus's message being so simple, do you, do you find, like, have you been in a room with more theologically minded people that they're just, um that you feel like that they're missing it when, I mean, how do you feel when you get into like a, if you're with hanging out with another pastor or, and we get into these deep theological conversations, do you feel like it's even worth having or how do you approach those? Well, I mean, they're worth having. I'm taking seminary classes right now and doing a class on Jesus. Um, and none of it's this warm, fuzzy stuff that me and you were talking about. None of it's that <laughs> simple message of love and grace. It's all like, well, did Jesus exist? And what was the real Jesus like? And, you know, all this deconstruction stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, to me, it's worth having, but at the same time, it's, I don't, I'm not going to put all my chips there. Mm -hmm. No. And I feel like a lot of people do. And, um, we live in such a either or society of, especially, you know, you're either this or that, you know, you either believe this or that, or you vote this or that, you know? And so it's, sometimes it's just so black and white and I'm comfortable with gray, you know, I'm comfortable with gray. And so that's what I try to just sit in and, and, and bring it all in, you know, hear yeah. what people's opinions are hear you know, the truth, you know, the history behind the gospels. And you start to get, you know, that can make you really uncomfortable too. I mean, 
you know, just that stuff alone. But um, I think they're worth having. I mean, obviously they're worth having because so many people are like so many podcasts are deconstructing and, yeah. you know, doing all this, you know, stuff right now. And I think it's needed. Um, but uh, I hope that it'll come back down to, you know, just let's having conversations about grace and love and hope and that kind of stuff. I kind of feel like it's, that's not the thing right now. And I'm, I'm kind of, in the past, you know, <laughs> I'm still like, are churches legalistic anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're in my area, so I guess it's still out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that seems to be the big thing right now, especially um, is the whole is is the deconstruction thing. And I always felt like like there is a need for that. And but I always but I felt like I almost needed a to be in a church that understood for me to go through that. You know what I mean? Like going through deconstruction on your own is, is scary and it's tough. And I wish I would have felt comfortable, you know, bringing stuff to whoever was my, my pastor at the time or people around me without, cause whenever I would start talking about this stuff, I remember, you know, going to church and I love the worship and, and the worship leader is a friend of mine. And, you know, I went there to kind of see him and, and kind of have that community. But I had so many, like I was parsing through so much uh, stuff. And whenever I would bring it up, it would just make, it would kill the conversation, you know, that everyone was having, uh, you know, um, me and me and my friend, like one-on-one him and I can have a, a, a really good conversation, but I was always, I'm always someone who, I think I've said this before. Uh, I think I even said this last time we we talked. Maybe last time we talked. I'm not sure, but I'm always the one at a party who brings up the you know the two things you're not supposed to talk about. You know, religion and politics. And, All right. Uh, if I if I had a community to be able to parse that out, that would have been I think made it would have made things easier for me. I mean, that's obviously something something that I believe that you you probably offer at, at Revolution. Yeah, we do offer yeah. that at the church. You know, I mean, heck, I've there's been times where I've set up and said, I don't know if I believe right now, you know? <laughs> right. And, and I'm the pastor. <laughs> so, um, I also got a friend who's starting a community called the sacred collective and they, a bunch of different people from different backgrounds asking hard questions about mm-hmm. religion, but there's atheists and agnostics and, you know, con- not conservatives, but evangelicals, maybe some conservatives. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But they're doing stuff where they're having that conversation as a community. And I think that's it's important, you know, because it is scary to go through by yourself. It's really yeah. scary. There's many times I would just, I would be uh, just laying in bed, just my mind, you know, whirling around like, you know, I'm like, is this it's, it's, it's like it's like pulling the thread of like an ugly Cosby sweater, right? You're, you're <laughs> pulling the thread and it. You just keep pulling and pulling and it's, and it's never ending and you're ruining, you know, you're, you're taking apart this sweater and, but you just don't stop. And that's how I, that's how I felt with my, you know, what I was going through was it was like, I couldn't, you know, in the matrix when, uh, when that actor's eating the steak and he says, ignorance is bliss. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, put me back in to the matrix, please. I completely understand <laughs> that. I, there's parts, parts of me that wishes I could go back, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Asking hard questions is opens up even more questions and those questions open up more questions and people, depending on who's around you, like they think you're crazy. Like, why are you even asking that? You know, 
I would always kind of go back. I wonder what Jay thinks about this. And I'll pull up a podcast and kind of listen. And, you know, so that that's I mean, there's been places for me to parse this stuff out, even if it's just, you know, by myself listening to someone. I'm very grateful for that. And then, and then that's what this whole podcast over the past five years has been, is me parsing that stuff out and going through. I mean, I'm, I'm almost afraid to listen to early podcast episodes of me, of me talking. Ah. You know, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I need to do that to kind of see where I was at. But, um, but I've always appreciated kind of your, your honesty, you know, as being a, a you know, you're a, a church leader, you know, and I did, I, I remember hearing you say that, you know, that you're not sure what you believe, you know, at that moment. And I mean, I, I feel like that is, that's a huge thing. You know, like for me, it was huge. I didn't feel alone. (laughs) Well, it's good for me to hear, too, because, you know, I don't feel so alone either. Right. It can be special alone. You know, when you're when this is your life and you start to question everything you're based your, you know, 20 some odd years of your life on. It is it is scary. I think that's what bothers me sometimes about some of the deconstruction stuff is just Mm -hmm. because I'm like. I just like, please make sure that you know that this is such a, you know, be cautious with this stuff because it's so tough, you know, mm-hmm. it's not something to just take for tongue in cheek and be humorous. I mean, it's okay to make fun of it, but at the same time, if it, if we make too much fun of it, people start to feel awkward. Like, why is this such a horrible thing for me? You know? And, uh, I just hope that people, and as we go through this whole phase of deconstruction and being questioning and doubt you know people hold that with some sort of reverence because i think it's you know it really is to me the dark night of the soul and so i think it's one of those things where when you go through it you've got to you need help you need encouragement you need yeah you need laughter and you need you know some some lightheartedness but you also need some some support and depth yeah and then and that's it's almost what's starting to bring me back around like i need to i need to find some you know, some scholarly people to, to kind of have conversation with. And, um, this is why it was, what, which I guess is why it's going to lead me to this, uh, UCC church down the road. <laughs> so we'll see what happens yeah. with that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't want to go to a church that's not inclusive. And that's a huge conviction for me right now, uh, lately, which is really odd. Um, and I just heard, um, it's not odd at all. It's, it's <laughs> I'm starting to hear the term gospel of inclusion even more. I think I just, there's, there's a, um, oh gosh, what is, what is his name? Is it Carter Pearson? His last name's Pearson. Carlton Pearson. Carlton Pearson. Yep. He, a movie based on his life is coming out on Netflix in mid April. I think I'm very excited to, to watch that. And I just heard, I mean, his interview was in 2005 on, um, on that podcast and, uh, this, this American life. And it, and I just finally listened to it and it was powerful. I've known Carlton for years. Yeah. He's oh, a yeah. Friend of, friend of my family's. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, just kind of seeing like how he put it all on the line, you know, put his ministry on the line and then, you know, just kind of rewatching, you know, the one punker under God, you know, docuseries, the Sundance about you putting your ministry on the line. Um, like, like to me, that's valuable. Like that is, that's tough, and that and and that for for me, that kind of shows me, um, that that you guys are 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 real. You're not in this, 
you know, you're not trying to build anything other than community and you know what I mean? I mean, it's tough. Like the money issue is tough because yeah, you, you need the buildings, you need staff. Um, but seeing you guys kind of putting that on the line and I, I really hope more people see that. And that's, that is what shows the genuine nature of God, I think. And that's always what's brought me back around to, you know, to who God is. And I think, um, it's very encouraging and, you know, it, I almost feel bad that I'm being encouraged off of, you know, potential pain, you know, and suffering on the fact of, you know, on, on, on your part, you know, like to, for me to be like, well, I'm, you know, it's just an awkward thing for me to say, but you being willing to go through that and, and being willing to take the leap is, uh, it's huge, man. Like, <laughs> I, I I saw you um you tweeted the other day your was it uh, post post sermon blues oh yeah <laughs> and I was like man Jay needs a hug right now yeah. <laughs> do you, I'm still do, super depressed <laughs> but uh, man I want you to know you're you're you really are uh, doing the Lord's work well you you you're, you're what you're doing is special and even if you can't see the immediate result of that, you know, um, just know that you are helping a lot of people and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, you know, every day whenever I'll, I'll you know, pop in one of your sermons or something like that, you know, and your, your, your genuineness and, and realness is goes a long way. So, um, you know, so don't, don't feel those post sermon blues, man. <laughs> well, I'm encouraged to hear that. I mean, you know, it is, it's a lonely place, man. Yeah. It gets, it's lonely, you know, and, I, I don't I don't have a staff anymore, you know. I got luckily I've got some people who still volunteer and, and help out that I literally could not do this church without. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough, you know, watching your church shrink and not feeling relevant and things like that. So it's nice to hear when someone says something that's positive and <laughs> encouraging, you know. It's nice to hear because sometimes it doesn't feel that way, you know. I get it. It's, it is it is a weird time. And and this, I, I feel like almost this political climate right now with evangelicals so deeply uh, rooted in the Republican Party and the GOP and just the just the cr- batshit craziness of it all. I'm, I'm hoping that it's uh, what's the biblical term I can use um, where they separate the chaff from the wheat. Right. Um, I'm hoping something like that is is happening. Because the the gospel of inclusion, the gospel of, of grace is life changing. And I'm and and that's the thing, like with all this deconstruction and stuff like that, um, I I hope nobody misses or discounts that the you know, the gospel of, of grace because you know, a lot of people can can kind of talk around it and, and say they don't need uh, they can just discount Jesus was just a, some prophet. But I mean, the fact that that message has that simple message, message of grace has withstood, uh, so much and, and has stood the test of time. I, I really hope more and more people can see that and strip away everything else. And man, I, I get, I get emotional whenever I hear about, um, you know, uh, a gay couples getting married in a church and them being, being able to practice, 
you know, just their form of worship, you know, and, and to actually be okay with and worshiping God openly. And, um, that's, that's the one thing that's really, I've had a hard time dealing with, uh, what, what took me out of the church was seeing that those doors closed. And cause the, the gospel of grace is so simple and so powerful that I, I hope when all this is said and done, that that is more and more churches, churches can just embrace that and give people a place to worship who, who need to worship. Cause that's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for it greatly and still trying to work towards that Yeah, to encourage other people to do that. But we need more voices. We need more people to speak up and speak out. You know, that's, the thing is if people don't take it for granted, if you're a part of something like that, don't take it for granted. Yeah. You know, use your social media platforms to encourage people to be more inclusive. A lot of people, when I start talking to them about how, you know, I think it's okay to be a Christian and gay and, and everything like that. Um, I still, even out here in Southern California, get the, uh, the pushback of, well, you know, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says that about homosexuality. Um, I was wondering if, if, if you have any resources that you would be good to send people to, um, anything that, that helped you as you were kind of going through all this. I know you did some deep dive studying and, and I think there's some, even you have some of your sermons from back, you know, a while ago, um, where you were working all that out, out working all that out biblically. But um, would you have any suggestions on things that people should be checking out? Yeah, well, I mean, if going to the um, Soul Force page, um, Soul Force is a is a group that does nonviolent work to help inclusion, um, LGBTQ inclusion in the church. Checking out Soul Force, which you just Google it, and also. Um, there's a book called A Time to Embrace by Stacy Johnson. And I recommend that a lot. Okay. You can get that on on uh in Amazon, but it's a yeah. time to embrace. It's really a good book. The forward alone is worth it. Okay. Awesome. And finally, before we wrap up, are you are you trying to get back in any any writing or anything like that? Or are are you focused on um just just building a church. Well, you're raising, you're, you know, you're raising the kids and building a church, man. I don't know if you have much time for writing. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to write some more. I'd like to do some more stuff. I'd like to write on mental health a little bit. Okay. Uh, and, 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 and that, I think it would be interesting to do, but yeah, right now I'm focused on my kids and building the church and, um, and also doing, uh, you know, figuring out where the Bible belt tour is going to go, mm-hmm. you know, so those are kind of my focuses right now, but I would like to write again. I just think it's going to be a little bit, I think I'm going to wait for the kids to get a little bit older before I can <laughs> sit down and do that. All right, Jay. Well, look, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and uh, talking to me again. I hope we can have more conversations in the, in the future. I'm sure uh, more things will pop up that I'll want to wonder what you think about. <laughs> so, Glad to. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I um, just appreciate your time. You're welcome. I would like to thank Jay Baker for coming onto the show again. If you resonate with this message, you can listen to his sermons at revolutionchurch.com. 
Also, if you dig what I've been doing with the Armchair Philosopher and would like to support the show, please check out the Patreon page and consider becoming a patron saint. I have a bonus podcast called the AXPX Diaries that I've resurrected. (laughs) I thought I'd recorded a couple, but I guess I hadn't yet this year. But I'm about to begin another bonus podcast called Brews and Bibles, where I review a beer, and together we'll be going through Peter N.'s book, The Bible Tells Me So, Why Defending Scripture Has Made Us Unable to Read It. I'm hoping this turns into an interactive and patron saint-driven discussion as we get into it. We'll see how it goes, but I'm very excited to start this up. Look for it in a couple of weeks. Again, thank all of you for listening and supporting the show, both through being a patron saint or just retweeting and liking and subscribing on iTunes and Google Play and all the places you can find this podcast. I'll talk to all of you next time.